so they do want to get more than one. Do you have a tattoo? No. I have one, and I have only one. So What's I your mean, tattoo of? It's just a line around my ankle. It's very a simple. A line? Mona. It's nice. I'll show it to you. <laughs> I wasn't this questioning is, whether this. or not it's nice. They found for tattooed men, the arms were the most common place for a permanent design, and for women it was the ankles, which makes your choice of location kind of interesting. It's What's the Point from 538. My name is Jody Avergan. On tap, the first ever radio version of our popular column, Dear Mona, which features our very own Mona Chalabi. The question, how many people in the U.S. have tattoos? Where on their body do they have them? And how many people regret those tattoos? We'll try to answer with data and a visit to our local tattoo parlor. But first, as always, a number that caught our eye this week, it's the significant digit. Can I tell you a number? Sure. 53%, which is a recent uh, a recent analysis found that Airbnb in New York, 53% of listings were rented upwards of 60 nights per year. And a significant number of them are managed by people with multiple listings. Um, I think it's a great way for small business operators to make money. The pushback is that this is really should be about sort of peer-to-peer sharing houses, you know, having someone crashing your couch, and people are instead using it as sort of de facto landlords. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I think that if you, have, if you have extra space and you're able to monetize it, I think that's great. And, and it wouldn't bother you knowing this is someone whose full business is Airbnb versus this is some, you know, actual real person's house? No, don't care. Let's dig into that number a little bit more. Chadwick Matlin, editor for 538 and host of Hot Takedown, our sports podcast, is here. Chad, are we at the point where we should really think of Airbnb not as a peer-to-peer? You know, she volunteered that, that phrase, small business. So you had mentioned that there was a significant number of listings that belonged to uh, one person, that, that one person had multiple listings in New York. And if you look at New York, they're actually in the middle of the pack. They had about 30% multiple listings. A place like LA, where the real estate is quite different, there's more space and, and the real estate's a little bit cheaper than New York, 40% of Airbnb listings are multiple listings. So one person having multiple listings. And so it does seem like it's a real avenue for some people to make some extra income. And there's this regulatory fight uh, breaking out, certainly here in New York, around this, because people are saying, look, if if they're making real money off of this, then it should fall under small business rules. But more importantly, if this is effectively housing, there's a whole suite of housing legislation that should impact this this little world. Right. And it brings up an interesting question about what happens to the sharing economy Next, we, we've gone through probably about a decade now of sharing economy in one way or another. Zipcar way back when in, in, in the mid 2000s, and then to Netflix, uh, which you were sharing DVDs originally, not sharing a, sharing logins with with your cousin. Um, but now we have Airbnb and also Uber, where everything is about maximizing efficiency. That there's no slack in the system. That if a why, why have a rental car sitting in a garage when you can have a rental car traded between people on an hourly basis in Zipcar's case? The perfect market efficiency. Exactly. Exactly. Now, what we're realizing, as we realize often when markets rule the day, is that that leaves some people behind on the housing end. Maybe it means that there's not as much housing available as there would be if these perma Airbnb places were just up on the market for people to live there permanently. For Uber now, what we're seeing um, in California, we saw that uh, there was a ruling that Uber's appealing that 
Uber drivers are employees and not contractors. That could have huge effects on the business model for these things. And I know with Airbnb and with Uber, uh, it brings up this issue that we run into at 538 a lot, which is uh, just not having good data that that lets us really get our head around this. Yeah, the trick with any private business, especially one that's not public, is that this is proprietary data and they have no reason to give it to to the public nor to journalists. Um, And in fact, what we've seen with Uber is the way they release data is on their blog and it's often in almost a PR speak way where the blog posts that they're publishing are saying that they've cut down on drunk driving accidents because there are fewer drunk drivers behind the wheel and instead they're taking Uber and there's some data there but we don't always know all the assumptions that that go into it and so these are black boxes that are beginning to open up this Airbnb project was a public scraping so someone sat and scraped every listing on Airbnb and then organized it very nicely at insideairbnb.com and it starts to at least give us a dashboard basically and the data issue is in a sidebar it gets right at the Part of this question of are these things public services or are they private enterprise? It is a very interesting gray space that for a while has been allowed to be a gray area. And now I think people are starting to wonder, wait, should we being should we allow it to stay in that gray space? All right. Well, we will definitely do a follow up on this. But Chad Matlin, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jody. Here in the studio is Mona Chalabi to do her column, Dear Mona, in podcast form. Uh, today we're talking about tattoos, so anyone who has ever gotten one is probably having flashbacks to the needle sound you're hearing right now. But Mona, welcome to What's the Point? Hi, JD. Um, do you want to, since this is the first time we're sort of doing this, do you kind of want to explain what Dear Mona is for anyone mm-hmm. listening for the first time, which is everyone? Mm-hmm. So I have a weekly column called Dear Mona where a reader will write in with a question that they have. Um, And it's kind of like a typical advice column where you write in and very often it's actually something that's kind of concerning the reader. But rather than me just kind of saying, there, there, everything will be okay, I pull up some statistics that are kind of relevant to the issue they have. So often it's about the number of people that are experiencing something similar to them or the number of people that have in the past or will in the future. Um, We had one reader write in, a Michelle, who was untattooed, who had the question, how many people have tattoos and how old are they? So this is the question we're exploring today. How many people have tattoos? How old are they? And then didn't she add another intriguing question? She did. She snuck in quite a few. So how many people who have tattoos have more than one? And what percentage of people with tattoos regret at least one of them? So we're trying to get to Michelle's question here. And so where do you start with a question like this? As always, it's always with the the numbers. We're kind of trying to look at big national trends here as opposed to this one reader's experience. And so actually with something like tattoos, it's kind of problematic because obviously the government doesn't really do a head count of how many people have tattoos. So there isn't really kind of any official go-to source on this. But what we did find was a study from Pew Research Centre about millennials that kind of asked different age groups about whether they'd been tattooed and how many they did have. So that kind of allowed us to to get to the answer. So we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Mm -hmm. we actually went, you and I, and visited a tattoo parlour just to get a sense of how the data lines up against some actual tattoo stories. We only met a few, obviously not a comprehensive survey. We were going to get matching Nate Silver tattoos for some reason that didn't happen. But um, let's listen to this. Let's listen to a tattoo artist we met uh, talking about his work and about his shop. 
Uh, my name is John Boy. I've uh, been a tattooer for over 15 years now. We are in the uh, the West Village. Um, we are on West Fourth. It's uh, uh, if, if you know uh, New York City, I mean this this area just gets wild. Is the parlor open 24 hours? No, we um, we we closed down. Um, you know this particular parlor. We we shut down at about uh, midnight. You know just because we don't want to deal with uh, uh, the drunks. This district is just full of bars. It's just uh, we don't want people coming in here, um, getting a tattoo, and waking up the next day uh, uh, regretting anything. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, it's happened to me, actually. I woke up uh, one day after Vegas and didn't know why I had a, a man's name on my body. But uh, you know what? Stan, I love you. Wherever you are, I miss you. Is that, is that a true story? <laughs> no, no, no. He had me going, John Boy. <laughs> I thought it was a real story. Yeah, I, I can't even trust the guy. Uh, you know, one of the things he brought up, which I kind of wish the Pew survey had asked, you know, were you drunk when you got your tattoo? I don't think that made it into the Pew survey. Is that right? Do we have any information on that front? No, I didn't. And I also don't think it's necessarily fair to assume that most people who do get tattoos are drunk at the time. That's right. And I think it actually gets at something we'll talk about in a little bit, which is a sort of mainstreamization of tattoos and how mm. it's becoming more and more commonplace. So it's not just this thing that happens to drunk people on a whim. It's really becoming a sort of cultural force, especially among what we can call millennials. And we'll get into that data in a minute. Um, but we actually met a real-life millennial in her habitat. And uh, her name was Nia. John Boy was working on her. So let's listen to a little bit of Nia. And I feel like you asked the obvious first question. Like, does it hurt? That's my first question. Um, definitely. It's just, yeah. <laughs> your face looks so calm. Well, I think because my mom taught me a trick when I was little, like when you're experiencing pain in a certain part of your body, just think of like your feet or like a brick wall. <laughs> I'm concentrating like on something that's very distant from the pain that I'm experiencing. So it's not, it's really not that bad though. So that's Mia. She's young. This isn't her first tattoo. Um, how representative is she? So the age breakdowns that Pew gives are kind of a little bit frustrating, right? Because they're quite big brackets. So the one that we're going to focus on here is individuals age 18 to 29. And as you'd expect, they're the ones that are among the most likely to have a tattoo. 12% of them have one tattoo, but surprisingly, 13% have two to three tattoos, 6% of them have four to five, 5% have six to two, six to ten, sorry, and 2% have 11 or more tattoos. So there's more people who have two tattoos than only have one. That's true for everyone under the age of 45, but if you look at those that are over 45, they're more likely to just have one than lots of them. Interesting. I mean, do you have any sense of why that is? I mean, it's like if you're the type of person to get a tattoo, then you're going to keep doing doing it i guess anecdotally the people that i know who get a tattoo just really 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 like them once they've got one and so they do want to get more than one do you have a tattoo no i have one and i have only one so what's I'm your tattoo the, of it's just a line around my ankle it's very a simple line? Yeah, mona it's nice i'll show it to you <laughs> i wasn't this questioning whether or not it's nice like what why a line well it's just a, it's i just here's here's my answer i wanted to have a tattoo mm -hmm. and i didn't want to have something that 10 years later, you know, whatever meaning it would have maybe has disappeared. I didn't want something that said like spring break 2009 or mm. anything. I just wanted to get a tattoo and I just got a sort of simple geometric. I mean, it's a line. It's mm -hmm. a black line around my ankle. Um, and 
I fall into that, what, 12% who kind of said, I'm going to get one tattoo and that's it. I'm only going to get one tattoo. But here's the thing that's kind of interesting, right, about that is I think that there is kind of a slight difference between where men and women get tattoos, maybe. So for you, the risks maybe of having chosen that particular part of your body aren't too high, right? Like how often do you really have your ankles out? Whereas my ankles are on show a little bit more often than you, right? So I need to think a little bit harder before... I make a choice like that. So there are actually statistics as well that show what percentage of people get tattoos in a place that's kind of exposed versus a place that's covered up. So Neo, who we met, was getting uh, a tattoo sort of on the inside of her Mm -hmm. arm, which I guess is sort of a hidden spot, like you're saying, but also fairly exposed. Um, are there more stats about, you know, arm versus ankle versus leg versus, you know, face if Mike Tyson happened to have answered this survey? Yeah, so I did come across a paper in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology. Now, you should treat all of this data with a little bit of caution because actually it's only based on 253 women and 247 men. They found that um, for tattooed men, the arms were the most common place for a permanent design and for women it was the ankles, which makes your choice of location kind of interesting. Very feminine, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's listen to another clip of, of Nia um, just because we did ask her this, you know, kind of among her generation Mm -hmm. how many people of her friends group have tattoos and here's what she said oh yeah like a majority of my friends have at least one and like the people who don't have tattoos are they just kind of a little bit weird not really i mean i feel like it's more of the norm to get a tattoo like it's less of a um taboo to get a tattoo at a young age now um do your parents have any say are they like fussed by it or you know Oh, no, my mom actually dropped me off at a tattoo parlor and I was on my 18th birthday just so I can get one. Oh, nice. Do they have tattoos too, your parents? No, but my mom's just like, I don't know, she's a bit of a free spirit, so she lets me do what I want. Um, One out of every three people in that age group, 18 to 29, Mm -hmm. have tattoos. Is that surprising to you? No, not really. But what might be surprising is the fact that the statistic isn't that different for the age group 30 to 45. So 68% of people in that age group don't have a tattoo, a tattoo which means 32% do. So it's so, pretty high too. So I guess it's really after 65, which and then if you kind of work backwards in terms of generations and think about when tattoos came into prominence and became mainstreamed, it's really maybe not just this generation, but kind of the generation before that was the one where there was this tattoo explosion? Right. So among people that are age 65 and over, only 6% have a tattoo. That's where you see the real kind of age cleavage, if you like. You know, I'm curious about why there's this boom now or this boom one generation ago. And mm-hmm. we asked John Boy, who is uh, the tattoo artist there who was working on you, kind of if he had any theories about why tattoos are becoming more mainstream. Mm-hmm. And let's just take a listen to what he had to say. When I first started tattooing, it was it was all the the biker gang guys and and the outlaws and whatnot. And I think um, I think what changed was uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the reality shows. You know, I think when when the, the the tattoo reality shows came on, you know, you had a lot of families sitting down watching, and you'd see. Um, stories of people of why they're getting tattooed and these were people that were um, you know soccer moms doctors lawyers people that are um, professional people you know and 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 people were like wow I thought it was just for you know hookers and and sailors you know and and outlaws so do you buy that theory the reality show theory 
I mean, personally, no, I don't really buy it. I think people personally know individuals that have tattoos that they like, and I think that kind of informs their choices too. There are lots and lots of celebrities with fake boobs. It probably is affecting the rate somewhat, but I don't think that's all it comes down to. I also think there are different body image questions there too. It sort of snowballs just as you see more and more people in your friend group, but also on TV because inevitably people who end up on TV, if there's more tattoos out there, will have tattoos. And then, you know, it sort of becomes more of a normal thing. And one of the things you touched on in your piece, which I thought was really interesting, was someone has actually done research on NBA players and what percentage have tattoos. And 56% of players are tattooed. I would have guessed it's higher, but it's a big percentage, certainly compared to the rest of the population. And I mean, that's obviously a very public person you're seeing them a lot uh, nba jerseys in particular you can see tattoos so it's one of those things of well are nba players reflecting a sort of cultural shift or are they defining it and setting a cultural norm i think that's interesting but i also think that interpretation is maybe coming from perhaps a male perspective because me as a woman when i look at an nba player even if he's tattooed i might find that attractive but it might not necessarily be something that i want to emulate that's not necessarily going to make me think oh i want to go out and get a tattoo because an nba player does you know so i mean maybe they're kind of more aspirational figures for men um but for me personally that's not really a look that i'd want to emulate Right. And I'm, I certainly don't think of it as aspirational. I'm not going to go get a tattoo like, uh, you know, Amari Stoudemire does. But um, just in terms of sort of the cultural norm and it, and it being around us. Yeah. Um, and I just love the fact that someone decided to go count tattoos on NBA players. I, I agree. I think another thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that there's a cost factor here, right? And getting a tattoo isn't too expensive. So for many people, it's kind of readily available as something to do. Right, though those those huge sleeves and so forth, they're pretty expensive. I mean, you know, order of hundreds of dollars when you're talking about a huge sleeve versus just a little name. And one of the things that we asked John Boy was about sort of regretting tattoos. And one of the things he said was, yes, people get cover-ups often when they get someone's name. But if you make an investment in a good tattoo from the jump and maybe spend a little bit money of money to go to someone who's good, then it's unlikely that you won't like the design or the design will start to fade or as you age, it'll look weird. So is there any data about people regretting a tattoo? Because that was the third part of, of Michelle's question, right? Yes. Yeah, so to do that, we kind of have to step away from your usual survey data and look at something which is um, the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, where they basically kind of keep track of all different types of procedures, one of which is tattoo removal. So here we're kind of focusing on like the most extreme form of regret, right? If you're going to ha- have laser removal for a tattoo that's going to leave a scar, you must have really, really, really hated that tattoo. Because the know? other option is what's to known just as get a tattooed up. over exactly right. a cover up. Their statistics show that over half of all laser removals just last year were for individuals aged 19 to 34. So basically, what you see is that the kind of age groups of those laser tattoo removals echo the percentage breakdown of people that have tattoos, which kind of implies that at every age group, you're just as likely to regret a tattoo that you get done. So according to the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, there were 45,000 procedures for tattoo removal in the United States last year, almost three quarters of which were performed on women, which is also kind of interesting. Almost three quarters of removal was performed on women, is that what you said? Almost three quarters of tattoo 
uh, removal procedures were performed on women. And I suspect that one of the factors of that comes down to the issue that I mentioned earlier on, which is that if a man has a tattoo they regret, very often it's easier for them to cover it up. Whereas if a woman has a tattoo that she regrets that's in quite a public place, she might just be showing more flesh so it's harder to hide. So let's listen to one more clip of John Boy just because mm-hmm. we like the guy and um, he has uh, some really interesting things to say about sort of his role and how he sees his job. So here he is, John Boy, one more time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of memorable tattoos, you know, th- you know, times when when you can just see that someone's struggling and, and they're dealing with cancer, they're dealing with with a family member that's dealing with any kind of sickness uh, you know, those are the those are the ones where where you're like, wow. You know, I thought I had it bad. And do people talk to you a lot while they're in the chair? Yeah, surprisingly, um, you know, you've got people that uh, are sometimes just perfect strangers that come off the streets and uh, they they open up to you. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, it's a uh, if you if you're a tattooer, you know, you, I'm sure you you hear you know so many stories. You know, and you know, you I, I feel like you have an opportunity to maybe change that person's. Uh, 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 life. He's very earnest tattooer. He is. I think it came across straight away that he really, really cares about what he does. He talks a lot about kind of why he's in this particular studio and how he's learning from his co-workers and kind of getting better and better at what he does. He's a great guy. And that hadn't occurred to me, that idea that, I mean, obviously everyone has a story behind their tattoo mm-hmm. and they're probably going to tell it to the person who's giving them their tattoo. So he just sits there all day. He's kind of like a shrink. He sits there all day. They're even leaned back like a shrink would. And they just tell him their stories. And he probably hears really, really remarkable things each and every day. Yeah. I, I mean, I think in that sense, it's not really that different from any kind of service work, right? Anything where you're sat in a chair... Whether it's like getting a manicure, getting a massage, getting your hair cut. There is a kind of different structure to that conversation. It's just interesting that tattooing is no no difference that even though you're more likely to be in abject pain while you're having that conversation. Mona, thank you. Let's think about those Nate Silver tattoos. Thanks, JD. That's it. Tattoos are forever. Podcasts are only for about 20 minutes. You can find a link to Mona's full article about tattoos on our website right now, 538.com slash podcasts. What's the Point's editor is Chadwick Matlin. Our video producer is Ryan Nantel. 538's podcast and video intern is Asta Chaturvedi. Joel Werner helped mix and produce this episode. My name is Jody Avergan. You can reach me by email. Find it on our website, 538.com, or I'm on Twitter, at Jody Avergan. Our music is by Rishikesh Hirway, host of the Song Exploder podcast, which you should listen to as soon as I finish this next sentence. If you like What's the Point, subscribe using your favorite podcast client and give us a rating and a review. It really does help others discover the show. Thanks for listening. See you soon.